This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everyone, to the 113th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Every parent wants to keep their teens safe online but we can fall into the trap of spending most of our time fighting over screen time with our teens and spending minimal time on educating our teens and raising their awareness of dangers online. We need to intentionally focus on having these conversations with our teens. Every time your child logs onto social media, they are at risk from a number of social media-related dangers like cyberbullying, depression and suicide, hate speech, sexting, and human trafficking, to name just a few. And many children are averaging over five hours a day on social media. To address these issues, I have invited Mark Berkman and Ed Peisner to be our guests for the show. Mark Berkman serves as a CEO of the Organization for Social Media Safety, a national consumer protection organization that protects against all social media-related dangers like cyberbullying, hate speech, and human trafficking. Under his leadership, the Organization for Social Media Safety has taught social media safety skills to thousands of students, parents, and educators across the country, passed into law essential social media safety legislation like Jordan's Law, the nation's first law to deter social media-motivated violence, and helped develop software and apps to protect against social media-related dangers. Previously, Mark served for over a decade as a senior advisor to members of Congress and the California State Assembly. During his time as a legislative aide, he developed and helped pass numerous legislative initiatives to protect vulnerable children and families. Mark received his JD from Columbia Law School and his BA from UC Berkeley. He lives with his wife and two children in Los Angeles, California. After a long career in business, Ed Peisner founded the Organization for Social Media Safety in 2017 after his teenage son Jordan was viciously assaulted in West Hills, California. The attack was filmed and uploaded to social media by an associate of the attacker. Jordan was left with serious and lifelong injuries from the assault. Ed decided to dedicate himself to the goal of ensuring that no other family had to endure such a terrible ordeal. Ed now proudly travels the country teaching students, parents, and educators essential social media safety skills. So welcome, Mark and Ed. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. 
Is it true that in 2017, you created the Organization for Social Media Safety? Yes, it is. Uh, very true, actually. Okay. So what was the impetus or the motivation to start that organization? Yes. What's my why? That's I always begin with my why. Um, yeah. In December of 2016, at the end of the end of my son Jordan's ninth grade year, he was he had called me and he asked me if he could walk home from school, which is something you know he used to do on a Friday. Can I walk home? I said, sure, you can. And Jordan was walking home. He stopped at a fast food restaurant near my house, and. Uh, and he, he had called me and said, I'm going to stop here. And I said, great, you know, you're with your friends. And I had gone home. I picked up my daughter, went home. And I got a phone call from one of Jordan's friends that Jordan had been punched. Somebody hit him. One of his friends called, said, Mr. Peisner, somebody hit your son. And I said, okay, I'll be there in a minute. This is a mile from my house, it's, you know. And I, I grabbed an ice pack. I told my daughter, I'll be back. You know, we were like cooking. And I said, just watch the oven. I'll be back in 10 minutes. I'm really thinking it was just, you know, a bloody nose, whatever. And what I came upon when I got to the parking lot was an ambulance, fire truck, a police car, 50 to 70, some, some odd kids, you know, just a horde of kids. Obviously, you know, my knees got weak. I knew something was wrong. I ran to the ambulance and I jumped in the back of the ambulance where my son was on a gurney, mm. half out of it, unconscious, covered in blood, Mm. And the paramedic, I didn't, like, I still, Mark knows, I've said this story a thousand times, and it still comes to me in different pieces. I remember looking at the paramedic, and I said, what's going on? I don't understand. And he said, he's got a brain bleed, he's bleeding internally in his head. We need to move now. Get out. And wow. so I jumped out of the ambulance, and you know, I was going to my car, but I stopped. I asked the kids, what happened? I don't understand what happened. And that's when they started coming up to me, more than one, with their smartphones. And they said, look, and they were showing me on their phone a video oh. of my son talking to his friend and then this boy walking up behind him and just with all his might, and I, I get chills thinking about this, just, you know, he hit him so hard, his beanie popped off his head. You hear this sound. And again, Mark knows, I, I, I cringe when I hear the noise. Oh. And... You know, I recorded it to have a copy of it. And I rushed, followed the ambulance and uh, he was taken to the local hospital. They couldn't treat him because of the severity of the injury. They airlifted him to Children's Hospital Los Angeles. He spent six days at Children's Hospital in the ICU mm. with this growing hematoma in his head, you know, pressure on the brain. And, you know, it's been a, it's been four years now and it's been a, it's a lifelong recovery from that, from brain injury, because mm. you really never know. Right. And um, yeah, to get back to your, your question, we formed the Organization for Social Media Safety after that event, you know, in the year 2017, because you know, this, this video went viral. In fact, I remember reaching out to my local assembly member in my town to see if we could do something about this, this, this viral nature of these videos. And Mark was the chief of staff at the time for my assembly member. Oh, wow. And yeah, and I reached out to Mark after we got out of the hospital. So a week later, I'm trying to, you know, navigate the new normal. And Mark already saw the video within hours of it happening. Oh my gosh. So that's that viral nature mm. 
of mm. this. And, you know, we knew we needed to do something. It, it was there. So was this boy who hit your son, was he like trying to go viral? I don't think we're ever going to know the answer to that question. The why, you know, mm-hmm. why did the person record it? Um, why was it shared? Why? I don't think we'll ever know that. Yeah, really. Uh, did it go viral? Yes. Were people clicking likes and, and liking it? Yes. Is that problem that we see now? Yes. So, yeah, to get back to, you know, why? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think we ever will know. Are those kind of videos a trend that you're seeing? <clears throat> Let me introduce Mark Berkman. <laughs> Mark? <laughs> <All right. laughs> Hello? Um, yeah, so what, what ha- I mean, to take, take the second part of that, that of, of, you know, the, the horrible beginning of, of this story, obviously. So Ed and I were in touch uh, about two weeks, two to three weeks after this happened, as soon as Jordan had stabilized and was out of the hospital, as Ed was very determined to make sure that other families didn't have to endure this. And it became, we started looking into it in, in the legislative office, in the California State Assembly office. And it became very clear very quickly that this was a, a horrifying trend. And so what we did was we researched and looked back really to the birth of, of major social media in 2006. And you could find um, about four uh, or six incidences of of what we now call social media motivated violence. These attacks committed for the purpose mm. of filming and putting them on social media to get these likes and these shares and, and internet notoriety. Uh, it started, started then with what was called the knockout game. So, so kids would walk up, usually kids would walk up behind an unsuspecting victim and hit them in the head and film it and the person to get the person to, to pass out. Um, and then they mm. put it on social media. And so since 2006, all fast forward to 2017, uh, you go from six to thousands and thousands of these videos all over social media being viewed by literally millions, uh, most of them young people. And so a sickening trend. And what we found, too, was that it was becoming normal to particularly teens. They were watching so many, whether or not they would go move forward and commit one of these acts to, to film it, it had become normal to them. So they'd, be, they'd watch it as, as a witness and, and film it and share it and like it as if it was nothing. Gosh. So what can you do about this? Excellent question. So what the, our, I should back up and say that the Organization for Social Media Safety, which is uh, the first and only consumer protection organization focused on social media. Um, So we protect against all social media related dangers like cyberbullying and hate speech and sexual harassment and this violence piece. We do that through three different uh, departments. We have advocacy, so we work on public policy that enhances um, laws around social media safety. We do technology developments. We work on software and uh, other applications that provide real-time protection against any and all of these dangers. Uh, And then we do education. So we uh, are out in schools across the country teaching students 
and parents and educators essential social media safety skills? So the answer to that, and I bring that up now because the answer to that question is, is really a combination of all three things like it is for so many of the dangers that we work on. So on the advocacy side, what we did uh, in our office, at, my old office at the time, is we passed the nation's first state law named Jordan's Law after, after Ed's son to deter social media motivated violence. We passed that in less than a year. We also now use that law to teach nationally students and parents about this issue. So hopefully we're modifying behavior as we go along. And then we also work with, with tech companies to help parents screen out this content when it, when it uh, appears in their children's social media feeds. Uh, one takeaway tip that we like to teach parents is the concept of blocking and reporting. So we wanna teach our kids when they, we, they see content like this, like the violence and, and some other issues like hate speech and uh, sexually explicit material, that they are blocking the person that's, putting, that's posting the content on their feeds uh, and they're reporting the content to the platform. And this does two really important things. One, it helps the whole community by taking the content off so our friends, our peers aren't exposed to it. Uh, and two, particularly for the young people out there, what we're doing is by, by having this rule with our kids of actively blocking and reporting, we are bolstering their mental defenses against the material. So they're actually physically rejecting it each time they see it and they're not absorbing it. It's not becoming normal to them. Oh, that's great. I, mean, I, have, to, I have to add something because Mark glanced over it real quickly and, and I wanna just let you know, because he said it, we passed Jordan's Law in California in one year that it, which is amazing, believable, but it's also, it tells you it must've been needed. Like this is, I remember going to Sacramento and when we testified and I spoke, they all said, wow, this is needed. Where's this been? You know, but you know, hats off to Mark. And again, he knows I, I'm so amazed about that accomplishment. Passing a law in California in 12 months is just incredible. For so comparison, I like to tell that it took me uh, <laughs> four years in D.C. to pass a bill to name a courthouse. So. <laughs> I'm sure. So do other states have this law? Um, no, not at this point. We are working on it. Good. I don't think moms or parents really think about that. They think about keeping their own kids safe but they don't think about how our kids are being desensitized by watching violence and how they're participating with that just by watching it and liking it. Yeah. yeah. Like how would moms talk to their teens about this? I mean, you said the blocking and the block and report, the block and report. anything else? So this particular danger of violence, this is an example that runs the gamut through all of the various dangers that we talk to kids about. And the, the important rule is actually having the conversation. So the how is have, have the conversation because as you just mentioned, most kids and adults aren't aware of a lot of these dangers, including what social media motivated violence is. It's, it's a term that we coined that, that is now being used because... One, for parents, we did not, we didn't grow up with these dangers or, or, or this technology. We didn't grow up with these dangers. So these are new. A lot of these dangers are just emerging. So you have to have the conversation and make your child aware. And then you have to talk about 
principles and values around these dangers, instilling those so our children know how to react to them when they come across them. Mm-hmm. If they will come across them. I've been a therapist for like 28 years. And so I talked to a lot of teens and college kids and middle school kids. And they just don't know what to do with this stuff, like with the sexting or bullying. They don't know what to do. And they, they kind of freeze up. Very, yes. And it's very new. Yeah. yeah. This was the exact problem that we confronted a few years back. And parents did not know what to do. Certainly, um, kids just getting onto social media did not know what to do. So what we did was we did an extensive amount of research backed by our advisory council with physicians and psychologists and educators. And we put together all of what parents should be doing to help protect their kids into one system, uh, which I should, I could say now is, is available for free on our website for parents. And it's everything in one place. So it's not listening to a tip here, a tip, there searching the internet and and trying to find out a, a little piece of the puzzle we want to put everything together oh wow that's an amazing resource and we will definitely talk about that before we close up for sure so what are some of those things i mean how can parents keep their kids safe on social media so we break the we call it the buckling the social media seatbelt system And we've broken it down into three, we want parents to think about three different activities when it comes to social media safety. One is we already talked about is the conversations, making sure that our children are aware of the dangers because contrary maybe to popular parental opinion, our our (laughs) teens and tweens are not actively trying to harm themselves. Uh, So if they know of a danger, they're they're likely going to avoid it. So having those conversations is, is crucially important setting the appropriate rules around social media when we allow our children into into this world. What rules do we want our children to follow in all circumstances? And then calibrating the settings. What safety settings do we need on our apps uh, and devices and operating systems when, when we allow our children into this world? So maximizing privacy, making sure they're not talking to people they don't know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Time limits, I should say, are another another yeah. big one. Setting time limits through operating systems really reduces parent-child conflict and makes sure it ensures that our children are keeping to a healthy amount of social media use. It seems to me that parents are often most surprised with their elementary, middle school kids. Like they don't think they would be getting into stuff. Is that something that y'all are finding? Absolutely. Parents having that belief at the moment to uh, the fact that it's not true, that the second you get a child gets onto social media, they're confronted with a number of different dangers. And I should say that our definition of social media includes anything where you can publicly post content or exchange content. So that includes gaming uh, platforms where you can video chat or text chat like Fortnite or, or Roblox or use user generated content. And so on, on gaming sites like that, we've seen, certainly seen cases where uh, children are coming across very sexually explicit content. There's human trafficking activities, um, sexual predation on those. More standard risks like cyberbullying is happening on all of those platforms as well. So it really is once our children are in social media, they are confronted with these dangers and we need to uh, take preparations to, to protect them. Yeah. So what are some dangers that parents typically don't think about? 
Uh, social media motivated violence is, is a big one, but I think parents tend to answer that in the, in the opposite. Parents tend to think about cyberbullying and screen time, but there's a long list of other ones that they don't think as much about human trafficking, which is less common, but certainly one of the more severe worst case scenario threats that is absolutely happening across the country. And now with social media, there are no geographic boundaries to it. Professional traffickers can reach out to any child anywhere. Sexual okay. harassment is happening with the second that, that really children are entering social media. They're seeing content that, that can be turned to sexual harassment. Hate speech, we found that fifth graders, because we, um, we present the lowest grade we present to is fifth grade, but we found that fifth graders, 75% plus of fifth graders have seen explicit hate speech on social media. Uh, it's a, that's a pervasive issue that a lot of parents don't think about. And again, the same dynamics like with violence, they see it so much that it becomes normal to them, which is a huge issue. Yeah. So when moms are trying to talk to their teens, are there some tips that you have for them about this? Like, it's not helpful if you do this, but it's helpful if you talk to them this way? We like to tell parents first that you want to separate the conversation portion of the talking about the dangers with the rules. So you have your conversation and the goal, again, is raising awareness. So here's, here's the danger. And again, this is going to vary based on the maturity level of your child. But here's, here's what the danger is. Danger is hate speech, say. Um, here's how you're commonly seeing it on social media. And here are family values around hate speech. We don't condone it. It's not something that our community condones. But you'll see and this, and how, parent, uh, how people are using it on social media. So you'll see people with these extreme viewpoints say things loudly because they could get attention on social media. So we're giving the children the understanding of how it works on social media while installing the value. And then we go to the rule of blocking and reporting the content. If you see this, you're going to block it. You're going to report it because it's, it's something that we are going to reject every time. So a lot of times when parents are thinking about keeping their kids safe, they're thinking about their kids being the ones who are being victimized. But there are a lot of parents who are listening that their kids could be perpetrating the sexting or the bullying. And so what, do a, what does a parent do with that? Again, a lot of this, particularly with social media, is making our children aware that these behaviors run contrary to our family and community values and that these behaviors are what we would term cyberbullying or sexual harassment or um, other issues that are child would associate with negatively. So we teach to uh, parents usually the, the case of, of Tyler Clemente, the tragic case of Tyler Clemente. Tyler was a freshman at Rutgers and his roommate, uh, one night Tyler, I guess, was on a date and he had a individual back in his, in his room that he was dating and his roommate decided to film them while leaving the room secretly on his webcam. And the roommate sent out the video feed on Twitter, alerting a bunch of people to it. Uh, and basically what this was doing was outing Tyler's sexuality at the time, which is one of a very serious form of cyberbullying that often has really horrific repercussions. So tragically, about a month after this happened, Tyler um, died by suicide. Mm. And so... What, mm. we t what we found is that, or by looking at all these cases and doing case studies, 
we would guess that, well, I should say that, that Tyler's roommate didn't have a his, uh, any history with behavioral right. issues, came from a solid family, um, had done well academically, so didn't fit the mold of a traditional bully. We think had his roommate, Darun, been, been educated that this is a form of cyberbullying, this can really injure someone, he likely would not have engaged in this behavior. So this education process is so important. So how do moms talk to their sons about this stuff? Because a lot of times we talk about the daughters, but how, how can moms talk to their sons? Are there some things that are unique to boys? Yeah. One of the big dangers out there that we teach is on sexting. And one of the aspects of sexting that a lot of parents and sorry, a lot of kids are not familiar with is called pressured sexting. So about half and again, typically, this is females that we're talking about, not all the time, but typically, half of the females who sex report that they were pressured, coerced, or blackmailed into sexting. And this I'm talking about under the age of 18, which is a shocking s- statistic. We teach parents that you have to teach your sons, for the most part, certainly, again, it, it can run across gender, teach your sons that asking for a sext is pressuring for a sext. And we don't want to put our friends, our peers in a dangerous position by making that request. So that's um, a good point. Yeah. One, one example there that tends to be more for, for the boys. Anything else? Specifically for parents of boys? Yeah. I think um, there are two things that come to mind. So one is we tend to Uh, associate eating disorders uh, almost entirely with being a problem that that girls experience. But we're certainly seeing and likely exacerbated by social media that boys are having some of these uh, body dysmorphia issues as well, which is uh, kind of an unhealthy body image. And so you look at influencers that may be bigger, more muscular. And so we see boys undertaking unhealthy eating regimens and exercise regimens uh, as we do with girls. So a lot of people don't think to educate boys on that as well. And that's another example there. All right. So we're, we're talking about a lot of really heavy things. Are there, are there some good news for parents around protecting their kids with social media? Anything that you feel is encouraging? I think the good news is that we've found again and again with our work, you can make this world safer for kids if you go through the process of making it safer. And so there is an effect to doing it and we don't need to be, this isn't, we're not trying to create a fear fest among parents. We want people to be aware of the dangers and we want people to take effective, practical interventions and precautions. And that has success. I think another bright side is that we see a lot of success on our advocacy efforts. This is, these are dangers that cut across demographics. It doesn't matter whether you're wealthy or not wealthy, or you live in a rural area or a city, these are affecting all of our children and that may seem problematic, but it's also unifying. So we've been able to pass the legislation. We've been able to get people involved in this effort. So what are some of the legal ramifications to the pressured sexting or the cyberbullying or the violence? That will often depend on the specific state that someone's in. So a, there are a number of laws that differ by state around sexting. 
if you are under 18 in most jurisdictions and you send a sex or you receive a sex from a minor, you are violating the law. Uh, if you are an 18-year-old in high school and you're sexting with a 17-year-old, that is typically a felony. There are new laws. I, I think it's in more states now. The last number I had was 20 in 23 yeah. states. Uh, there are new laws against something called revenge porn. So if you take a picture consensually of someone's intimate parts or doing an intimate act and you then go ahead and share it without their permission that is now a crime uh, in a number of states. So uh, pressured sexting, I mean, it, it can run the gamut of, I mean, you, it can be extortion, blackmail can include that if you're doing it to gain something. So that, that those can be felony level charges if you're doing that. Uh, in other circumstances, some jurisdictions will let the school or the parents deal with something that's just between minors. Yeah. So it, it, it does greatly depend. But there are a number of laws. It is something that we teach parents and, and kids because they need to be aware of those. Um, right. Cyberbullying also, there's, there's a number of jurisdictions that will have laws against cyberbullying. There's a number of school districts that include that as one of the grounds for expulsion as well. Okay. We discussed right. that, Colleen, just to let you know. When I go to, you know, I travel all over the country talking to kids at schools. And when I put my presentation up, you know, the screen, the uh, PowerPoint, I'm going through the slides and talking to the kids. And then I come up to the slide with all the different laws and I list them out. And I see the kids in the audience, a lot of them just sort of sinking in their chair, like, uh, oh, I didn't know that was illegal what I'm doing. It's, it's, it's happening everywhere. You know, they need to be educated. And actually, I've had kids come up to me and, and ask me, and Mark says, that was such a great presentation. What time are you doing it tonight? Because I want to bring my parents. They really have to hear this. So it really opened my eyes to the fact that these kids want this. You know, we're yeah. giving these, these smartphones to them with no guidance. We're just sort of putting it in their hands. You know, I know your audience is a lot of moms. I'm a single dad for ever with three little kids at, when I was single. Um, it's, it's a job in of itself, just raising kids. Mm-hmm. But raising kids in this world with these smartphones and just, you know, it, there needs to be this course. There needs to be the conversations Mark keeps alluding to and talking about. And the kids need to be spoken to about it more than once. Mm, great point. What I love that you're talking about is I, th- I think one of the traps that moms or parents can fall into is that around the social media is controlling screen time. It's around the limits around that and getting in fights around, like you need to be off your phone now, you need to get off the computer now. I like how you talk about that one conversation just needs to be around education and awareness and really helping them think about what they're doing. Because as you know, that brain is undeveloped and they're, they're not thinking about the consequences. They're, they're not looking at it from other people's perspective. And so they're just not thinking. So this, the education, the awareness, the consequences, all of that is so important. And I think because I spend, spent many of my years of my life doing this is moms, I think what can be helpful is to to have a safe place for your kid that they can be curious and not judgmental and that some of these hard conversations can be talked about that can help your your child know what to do if they get the sext 
or they see the video or they see someone doing some cyberbullying because your kids don't know what to do. So you want to be, you want to create a culture in your home where it's okay to talk about this stuff. Absolutely. So you, can you talk a little bit more? We're kind of winding down now, but can you talk more about that free course you have for parents? Of course. So you can go to our website, which is at uh, OFSMS.org. That's short for Organization for Social Media Safety. And I assume it'll be in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. And so you can go there. You will see all, right on the home screen. And uh, right now there's, there's a pop-up as well where you can go and enroll in the course. It is, a, as I mentioned, a comprehensive course. We cover uh, everything we think parents need to do to increase safety for their children on social media. And Colleen, awesome. just to touch on something you said, yeah. that course was developed, obviously was developed during the pandemic. We had to pivot from in school to, but it was developed in part to really help reduce what you said earlier, which is that parent-child conflict that we all have with our kids. I'm taking your phone and no more of this. And it's to help reduce that because yeah. you know, we have enough of that just being a parent. Yeah, no, that's great. So how does how do they contact you if they have you, questions? Of course. So you can on our on our website uh, again ofsms.org. You can you can hit the contact button. You can send us an email. Give us a call with questions. We are available as a resource to anyone that would like to reach out. And are y'all on social media? We are on social media, <laughs> which is it's a great point and a great question because. There are, there are benefits to it, and we yes. use it. So yes. we, are, we are on Facebook, Organization for Social Media Safety. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram and LinkedIn. You can find us on, on all of those platforms. Okay, that's you, great. And a few more. You will, not, you will not see any TikTok videos of us dancing. No, that's the one thing. <laughs> we, well, we're not publicly on TikTok, but I should say we have, we have accounts. Yeah. We have tester accounts on, on all of these platforms. So Yes, we do. <laughs> Well, that's a good point. I mean, what would you say about TikTok? (laughs) Um, We have concerns about TikTok. I think it's a complicated discussion because the problem is if an entire grade or entire community, specific community, if, if all of the third graders in a given community are on TikTok and a parent decides that they don't want their child to be on TikTok, there's a real trade-off there. Uh, there's a social trade-off. And maybe it's worth it to that parent because there are, there are dangers on TikTok. There are cyberbullying and hate speech. There's inappropriate content on, the, on what's called the For You feed where you see everyone else's TikTok videos. There are things there that we have concerns about. There, there's also uh, social media addiction. Kids are spending hours and hours on TikTok. So all of these dangers that we talked about in this conversation are on TikTok. We have concerns about it. They have a restricted mode that they offer parents for their kids, which we recommend all parents engage. But it is very, very far from perfect. We, again, we have that on our tester account, and we see inappropriate material come across the For You page. So, yeah, it's not a yeah, not a simple answer. But those are some of the thoughts. Right. So any last piece of advice for our moms today? I, I think we would really recommend that, that parents check out, check out the course. Consider teaching your child about blocking and reporting. It's one of our top 
recommendations in terms of tactics for kids to keep them safe. And we're, we're available for questions. And, okay. and don't dismiss social media to your kids. Don't dismiss it when they say something about it. It's, it's, it's the world they're living in today. I, I say this as a parent, right? Just don't dismiss it like, oh, it's just that it's, this is where they live. So we have to really talk to them, have that conversation and treat it with respect. Yeah, it's complicated, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. of their social life is there. And yes. it, it is very, it's a very complicated issue. Yeah, definitely. Well, I really appreciate this conversation, Mark and Ed, and I know it's going to help a lot of parents. And I know that course is a huge gift to the parents. Hope so. Thank you. All right. Thank, Thank you, you again. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere. You can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.